Well, I'm assuming you all know me by now, but just in case, for the benefit, if my name is Paul, I have the privilege of leading the team that oversees New Life Community Church, and we are continuing our series looking at Steps of Faith. This is where we see characters in the Bible, ordinary guys like you and I, guys who love God and inspire us by the way they live their life out for God through the decisions that they make. Is there a PowerPoint sound by chance? There is. I, I know there is. <clears throat> Thanks. Pause, and I will conveniently pray right at this moment in time to allow the PowerPoint to appear. Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for the privilege of being your people, Lord God. Even, you know, Father, we don't take it lightly right here, right now, just being family together with you. It's significant. Lord, we love you. We cherish your word. We cherish the way that you've knitted our hearts together as family. And we pray that, Father, you would be present, Lord, in the delivering of your word, Father. May it do us all good. May it do something in us that changes us that little bit more. Our heart more for you, Father. Our lives more for you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Sweet. Thanks, mate. Okay, Jeremiah 2.2 says, I remember the devotion of your youth. Sorry, Sam. I know he's gone to... Have you got a copy of my preach there, mate, so you know where the slide changes are? You don't? Do you, do you want one? I just happen to have one in my bag. You might as well do it now. It's, 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 you, you're good, yeah? All right, cheers, mate. <clears throat> says up there, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness. And when God is speaking these words, he's speaking through his prophet Jeremiah. He is fondly recalling the devotion, the love and trust he has received from the people of Israel. And when you look through the Bible, God's desire has always remained constant to have a people to himself an extended family, a community of his creation that look to him and him alone as the source of all their need for life. And quite practically, that looks like individuals who collectively live their lives in devotion to God, out of love for God, putting their complete trust in God. So wherever God leads, his people follow because they trust him. Now, I don't know if anyone's had a wilderness experience before, but wilderness is basically uncultivated, unpopulated land. It's derived from the word wild, meaning untamed. The kind of place you want Bear grills as your tour guide. Wilderness in the Bible is not just the desolate land you cross to get from one town or city to another, but it also seems to be the place where God does business with his people. He leads his people to prepare them. Wilderness seems to be a place of preparation in Scripture. After all, before Israel entered the promised land, they wandered. God led them through the wilderness for 40 years. Before Jesus started his ministry, he wandered the wilderness for 40 days. And of course, you will find the original Bear Grylls in the Gospels, a prophet and preacher in the wilderness called John the Baptist. 
a guy whose clothes was made out of camel's hair and his diet consists of locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him in the wilderness and his job was to prepare people for the arrival of God's prophesied Messiah. <laughs> Holding coffee and turning pages is actually harder than it looks. Okay, um, we are going to be spending our time over the next 25 minutes or so looking at a woman called Anna. And we are simply going to look at Anna's devotion to God. Her love for God and her willingness to trust God as she lives in a time of wilderness, both for her personally and for the nation of Israel. Because Israel at the time were not, they weren't literally wandering in the wilderness, much like the days when God led them out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. No, this time they were waiting. They were waiting in a time when life was looking pretty desolate. Have you ever felt like you've been in a time of wilderness? Spiritually and physically, it was a dry time for the people of Israel. And yet they hoped. They were currently under Roman occupation, the Roman Empire was a powerful one, and the empire, and one empire had fought another empire, and the people of Israel really had become like plunder. They were spoils of war. Yet in this dry, weary, desperate season for this nation, they hoped. Israel were waiting on the fulfillment of a series of prophetic words that had been given several hundred years before the time of Anna. These prophetic words all pointed to the arrival of a saviour a liberator and king, a person like Moses who would lead them out from under the rule of the empire, and a person like David who would take his rightful place and rule, making the nation of Israel once again great in the eyes of all the world. There are only two verses devoted to Anna in the whole of the Bible, and they can be found in the book of Luke so we're going to turn to now, chapter 2, verses 36 to 37. But as we read this together, I would like you to consider something. Like the small seed of a mustard tree, my prayer is that you, like good soil, would receive these two verses and allow them to grow big in your heart. Big in your heart and in your practice in life. God has counted them significant, and I hope that they will be significant to you for today and for many years to come. Okay, so Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 37. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping and fasting and prayer, with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. 
The context of these two verses is the arrival of Jesus. And by the law given by God to Israel, the firstborn male of every family was to be taken to the temple to be set apart for God. Most of the story at this stage is actually centered on a man called Simeon. Simeon was a man who was God-fearing and was waiting for the comfort of Israel. Israel as a nation, they were, they were hurting. Um, here's a question. Have you uh, ever had a time period that you were particularly fond of? You know those moments when you hear a song or you see a car or you watch a film and you think, man, I missed the 50s or the... 80s or the 90s. Uh, this year, Joe and I, um, we got a takeout meal. <laughs> this is how extravagant we lead our lives. We got a takeout meal for Valentine's Day, and we sat down, and the kids disappeared to the bedrooms, and Joe put on this 90s playlist on Spotify, which made us chuckle because nearly every track kind of like triggered some sort of mid-teen memory. Like I remember Joe used to drive her dad's massive white escort estate with both of us listening to mixtapes of John Bon Jovi and just being reminded that it looks so funny because she was such a tiny driver in this really huge car, just peering over her dad's steering wheel, listening to quite hard rock tracks. It's those type of triggers that remind you of some of your happy moments. I actually had to work really hard not to just recall lots of different sporting events throughout history then. I had to work on marriage, marriage history moments. So Israel, we're missing the glory days, the days when kings like David and Solomon ruled, and Israel had fame throughout the whole world. God went before them, when God went before them and defended them against their enemies. They even recorded songs in the Psalms that reminded them triggered their memories of some pretty happy times. But the Psalms also reflect tragic times, when, times when Israel mis- messed up, and they were not faithful to their God, as a, a wife can be unfaithful to her husband. In the time of Anna, they lived in the consequences of their actions, and it was the worst kind of humiliation. They lived in a land that was their own but they did not rule it. Now, as we're praying for Ukraine in this situation that's there, we can currently see something of the fear that the Ukrainian people might be experiencing, not just because of war, but the consequences of that war, particularly if Russia were to have their own way. Now, I don't don't know all of the history that exists between those two nations, But as Lizzie led us, you know, let's continue to be praying that this conflict would quickly cease. And by God's grace, he would keep that nation of Ukraine from any kind of Russian rule. So the Roman Empire ruled the land and ruled over the people of Israel. Now, it wasn't actually terrible in terms of quality. Romans were a reasonably civilized bunch. But still, it was nothing compared to the 80s. It was nothing like the glory days of old. God had spoken to this man, Simeon, and told him that he would not die until he saw God's chosen person to save Israel. And so when Jesus is presented at the temple to be set apart for the Lord, 
Simeon is immediately overcome with God's confirmation that Jesus, this child, was God's chosen one to bring glory to the people of Israel and to be a light to the world. So this cue is a very timely appearance of Anna. She is introduced into the story in what feels like a cameo appearance. But Luke, the writer of this gospel we just read from, he's a stickler for purpose and detail. And God, knowing this through his servant, he writes Anna into his story. She was a widow who had not departed from the, from the temple of the Lord for probably potentially over 60 years. It is likely she would have married young in that culture. But the Bible gives no detail other than she worshipped by fasting and praying night and day. And like Simeon, once she saw Jesus, there was nothing that could stop her from telling this hurting nation all around her that God's promise has arri had arrived. Two verses, very much like two minutes, might seem small to you and I. But it seems small moments in time can have a big impact throughout history. I, I will defer to a sporting reference now. I apologize in advance. So in 1999, Champions League final, Manchester United, 1-0 down for the entire game, when in the final two minutes, they scored two goals changing what had felt like an inevitable outcome into a reminder that even when the game feels like it's over, if there's time left, there's always a chance to turn things around. 400 years was a very long game for Israel. Since the prophets of old, not a word had been spoken since God had offered hope that was to come. The prophets were key players for the nation of Israel. They were the mouthpiece of God, delivering God's instruction, encouragement, and correction year after year after year. But it had not been so for a very long time until these two verses. Anna is the first recorded prophet or prophetess since the time of Malachi. And it is a very timely announcement by Luke. In that Champions League final, it's a player called Teddy Sheringham who scores the equaliser that brings Manchester United back into the game and gives the team hope. But it's when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer follows that goal and scores, you immediately understand that you're going to win. And that's what it feels like here. Simeon, we're going to say he is like your Teddy Sheringham. And after waiting for so long, both personally and together as a nation, his announcement brings news that Israel, through this boy Jesus, are back in the game. But it's when Anna, like Solskjaer, arrives at the same hour to confirm what Simeon is saying, then you know there's a big win coming for Israel. And that's what prophets do. They confirm what God is doing. So on a practical note, Church family, when you have a word from God or, or a picture, it's exciting when it gets shared, isn't it? But it's even more exciting when God confirms it through someone else. 
I think that's a measure of a good word. You know, when Jesus is baptized, the disciples, they see, they witness the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus like a dove. Then God speaks out of love for his son. When God confirms something, it's really quite exciting. And as we are journeying together to become one family in multiple locations, both here in Wimborne and in Falling Bridge, as we work together toward being rural church communities on mission together, the reason why I'm here, the reason why the eldership team and the church family of New Life Community Church are particularly excited is because God spoke. We believe God has spoken, not just once, but several times into the future flourishing of this family relationship. Which, when God does that, you know there's a big win coming. So, in life, it's wonderful when you're involved in special moments like that. Anna arrived on the scene as God's confirmation for Simeon and for all of those around. But I guess what you quite often, when you celebrate those moments, you don't see all the training and lifestyle that happens behind the scenes that enable those moments to happen. And I think for Anna, God has given her this special moment to witness and celebrate because of the way that she has given her life to him. As a Christian, what happens when tragedy strikes? What happens when your life gets seriously rocked by an event? For Anna, it was after seven years of marriage. She was widowed, meaning her husband had died. It's likely she was still young at the time, probably in her early 20s. Now, if you've ever read through the book of Ruth in the Bible, you'll know and understand a little bit about something of the impact of being widowed in a Jewish culture. So firstly, God gives a mandate to care for those that have been widowed. What that would mean is that it would usually mean marrying a relative or being taken in by a related family. But no matter what route is taken, really, it's a bit of a tragedy. Because if Anna had a good husband, she lost a good husband. If, he had a, if she had a poor husband, just being a widow meant that it was going to be difficult to start life in Jewish culture again. Typically, she would be tied to the family of her husband in some way or another. So no matter what, it feels like a bit of a tragedy. However, God is in the business of turning tragedy into triumph. In this case, it seems that Anna opts out of any other marriage opportunity and commits to making the temple of God in Jerusalem home turf. She wants to devote her life to being in the presence of the Lord. God's presence was her home, and she spends her days and nights worshipping God through prayer and fasting. I think in this, I'm really struck by Anna's decision-making. Her first point of call in tragedy is to press into God's presence and commit herself to worship. In the tragedy, she worships, and it's not just a phase. This is for years and years and years. And this offering of her life is a sign of her devotion, her love, her trust in the living God. Jeremiah 2.2, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness. So simply, Anna had a personal wilderness 
through the loss of her husband, but her response was one of devotion, and his life was one of devotion to God. And as God honors her love as a bride, she receives the blessing and the benefit as God as her husband. I think the wonderful thing about Anna is that there was nothing complex about the way she lived her life, but it was disciplined. She was not ambitious for glory, fame, or status, but she was ambitious to live for God. The lifestyle she lived could never have happened unless love and passion drove her appetite for it. To worship through prayer. Bless. To worship through prayer and fasting and day and night, that's going to be hard work at the best of times. Hard work at the best of times. However, I think God remembers her for her devotion. God remembers that life choice to spend her days in his presence. God remembers her faithfulness through the years. And it is, it is his pleasure to publicly declare her as prophet and more than that, the first prophetess to see God's hope for the world. Two verses like two minutes in the Bible. Two verses, sorry, my bad. Two verses in the Bible, like two minutes in a football match, can turn a game around. If you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness or like you've been on the end of a losing game, remember, wilderness can often be a place of preparation and God can turn things around in a moment. There's nothing complex about what God loves. He loves your devotion. He loves your love for him. And he loves your trust. Just because it's not complex doesn't mean it's easy. Living a life of devotion will be tough at times. It requires discipline. And most of us will experience tragedy in our lives. Um, I actually haven't written into this. I will share briefly. So Joe, if you know Joe and I, anyone who, who knows us will know that actually a couple of years ago, um, we lost my nephew to cancer. So he was only nine years old, actually. And uh, within, he had a problem in his chest throughout the week, went into hospital just to, as a normal young lad who had bumped himself in the playground. Within that moment, he was diagnosed within, I think, the day, and within 48 hours, he died of acute myeloid leukemia. Um, probably the toughest thing we've ever worked through as a family, because the family were ever so close. And God was in the midst of it all. I tell you the truth. God was in the midst of us all, in the trouble and the hardship. My sister-in-law's boy, the, the whole family, they're not Christians. There were some wonderful testimonies I, I will give and share with you happily, probably, probably at another time. But I, I will be convinced of this, that boy went to be with Jesus. And um, that was one of the best testimonies. It was also the first funeral that I led, which was 
I, I can't even begin to fathom uh, what that meant to try and walk through something like that. But again, God was with us. Most of us will experience tragedy in our lives. I don't share that as a, as a soulful story. As a fact, in one sense, it's a rejoicing story. But most of us will experience tragedy. But tragedy didn't stop Anna living for God. For us, we understand a difference in Christ and a hope in Christ that spans beyond the grave. God wrote her name into history as the prophetess who confirmed the arrival of God's saving son, Jesus. So here's two minutes of my time and two verses for anyone here who wants to experience turnaround in their lives. There is a God. This God knows you. This God loves you. Your life matters to him more than you know. To know him is to understand and embrace what might seem like a crazy truth. You are meant to live life with God. That got messed up. That little rebellious nature that's in you and I and everyone else in this world is partly responsible for that. Jesus came to set it right and gave his life so that you and I could have a fresh start with God. I have embraced this truth and my life for the good has never been the same. You can embrace this truth by telling Jesus your part, your story, and deciding to put your trust in him. This is two minutes of your life that will never be wasted and will turn your life around. To live for him is not complex, but is going to be hard at times. Devotion, love, and trust are not easy things to keep giving yourself to, but my encouragement to you is go and find yourself an Anna or a Simeon, someone who's been doing it for a long time, and understand from them why living for God in this way is so worthwhile. Remember, a wilderness in life is often a time of preparation in the Bible. So if that's where you are at, you might consider what is God preparing you for. Also remember that the season of wilderness, thank God, is only temporary. Like Anna, be intentional about devoting yourself to God and know that God will lead you through. And as we pray for situations like Russia and Ukraine, let's remember that even when it feels like the game is over, two minutes can make a world of difference. So let's keep praying. And lastly, God confirms. God confirms. That's the good mark of the prophetic. God prepares. He uses wilderness-type situations to shape and equip his people. And God remembers. God remembers your faithfulness to him. As Christians, we're not angling for the spotlight or for two-minute moments, but seeking to live a life of devotion, love and trust in the presence of God. D.A. Carson is one of the, one of a great theologian throughout history. He, he, he came and shared a testimony and said, you know, my goal throughout my life has been this, to be faithful, to be faithful. 
The truth is, when we do these things, when we are just faithful and diligent in all the small things, do you know what? We will get to experience wonderful, game-changing moments in life. And I believe that what we're doing here in becoming one family is a game-changer for rural communities. And that's not really because of anything that we do as a team or driving or planning. It's just because we believe God has spoken into this. And really, our job together, in a very non-complex way, is to simply be faithful in devotion to God. Not complex, not necessarily easy, particularly in times of hardship and tragedy, but you can see that long-term fruitfulness requires, it requires discipline. Like the training routine of any professional athlete, our passion is to be accompanied by our work ethic. We do and we work hard at it together because of the one that we love. Amen? So that's two minutes for those who want to experience a turnaround in their lives. Here are two verses, two simple, non-complex verses about this prophesied saviour king. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And one of my favorite verses, Jesus also said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Can I have the worship team up, please? Thanks, Carl. Go on. Should we stand together? We're going to respond in devotion. We're going to respond in worship but I just uh, before we do uh, before I hand over to the guys one last application you are never too old to delight and share the good news about Jesus Anna is 84 years old when she confirms around that age around that age confirms the arrival of Jesus as God's saviour what does she do then? She bounces around to all the hurting people of Israel, giving thanks to God and telling them of this wonderful moment she has been privileged to be part of. Jesus has arrived. The game has changed. There is no age barrier when it comes to delightfully sharing the good news of God's saving one. Let Anna's example be an encouragement to all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in two minutes and with two verses, you can turn things around in a huge way. Thank you that you use wilderness moments to prepare us as a people and help us not just in tragedy, but in all things, to be people that live a life of devotion, of love and trust to you. God, may your presence impact us here right now, together as your family. Let all know right now here and now, that there is a God that knows them, a God that loves them, and that their life matters to him. And help us to be like Anna, to be carriers of this good news to all that we meet, especially to those who are hurting, that they may know that the game is not over. There is still hope, and that hope is found in you, Jesus. Amen.
God is faithful Forever God is strong Forever God is with us Forever Forever God is faithful Forever God is strong with us forever forever God is faithful forever God is strong forever God is with us forever forever God is faithful love endures forever for he is good he is above all things his love endures forever sing praise 